Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the only podcast that you are listening to right now. I mean, I, I suppose you could be listening to another one, but I don't really know what you're getting out of that experience. I would listen to one podcast and then the other, but you know, who am I to tell you how you live your life? I'm just your host, Chris Donovan. And joining me this week on the Professional Horror Podcast is my good buddy, Justin Bocage. Jay Cage, how you doing today, buddy? Right, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, uh, no problem. I'm excited to you know, talk about the spookiness of, uh, of film and production. <laughs> and uh, I'd just like to do a little shout-out to Armchair Sports. This is the A-list show. Um, this is where all the intelligence and mm-hmm. all the great ideas are spurred right from this table at 57 Meadow. So I'm glad you guys are listening and, uh, you know, hope you guys enjoy. All right, so we're going to start off as we have done three out of the four times we've recorded an episode with First Blood. <laughs> I forgot last time we did it. First Blood is where we learn a little bit about the people on the podcast. You, as the viewer, get to know like what we like as horror movies, so you see what perspective we analyze horror movies with. So we want favorite horror movie and favorite genre, subgenre of horror. Of course, my favorite horror movie is the 1984 classic Nightmare on Elm Street. And my favorite subgenre are slashers and creature features. JB, what you got for us? I'm going to bring a little bit of a different angle into this. I think my, I do like horror films. I do like gore, like throw around the blood kind of thing. Mm. But I'm always into the suspense and kind of the head games and the, and kind of the psychological warfare, if you want to put it that way. Um, I really don't have a favorite movie of all time in the horror perspective. I will say this is a random movie to kind of throw in there. I really like the movie The Descent. The Descent's so good. It's a very good movie. Um, I've only seen it once. On every episode. <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly, it it kind of caught me off off guard when I first yeah. saw it because. I was like, you know what? I'm on a date. You know, I'm going to be the big macho man that's going to, yeah. you know, hold her tight. And yeah. I was scared to death. I jumped more than she did. Yeah. And I just thought the whole thing was beautifully done. It just had a good mix of suspense, kind of scare, thriller, surprise. I'm also a fan of Saw 1, just oh, the first one. Just the, first the, one. The, the second, third, fourth, and I don't even know how far they went. But I got seven. A, yeah, it went too far. Yeah. But... I'm a fan of those movies as well, yeah. but for the most part, suspense and kind of like the trickery and mind games, I've always been a fan of that. Definitely. Yeah. The so The Descent's great because it's, it's scary before there's even monsters in there, and that's hard to do. Yeah, that's but. that's tough, putting the scare just mm-hmm. into the perception of something being there. That's kind of what I'm all about, you know? Cool. cool. So the movie we watched for this week's episode is From a House on Willow Street. It is a very recent release. It came out on the 24th of March of 2017. Oh, very recent. Very recent, yeah. It's hard to find. Uh, it's hard to. It's a hard movie to track down to watch because there seem to be no DVD copies of it. You can't buy it on Amazon. You can't buy it on the PlayStation Network. Yeah, it was tough to find. It was. You can't find it at Redbox. You can only rent it through like Amazon Video, Google Play, and I think Microsoft, and that's about it. Yeah. I Well, it's the miracle of Google, baby. Yeah. That's it. Gotta do what you can because <laughs> I heard about this movie a few years ago. Not a few years ago, like a few months ago because... Uh, Sharni Vincent, who I follow on Twitter, is the lead actress, and she was talking about this movie, and I was like, oh, Sharni's in another horror movie. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah. So I wanted to get this movie, get to this movie as soon as possible, and I don't know, it's... It left you hanging a little bit. It did. It, it did. really did. My initial thought it was, it's good. It's good, but there was just so much missing to it. I don't know. 
I think there was a lot of... I don't know if there was rush in production mm-hmm. or if there was just a low budget for the film. Because the idea and the concept, which I'm going to let you you know, right, kind of right. dive into, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's different. And there's a lot of different perceptions and angles that the movie kind of goes about that... If it was performed well and, you know, done out thoroughly, like if Stephen King had a, like if he had this in his possession, then, you know, maybe he would have been able to do a little bit more with it. But with this idea, they definitely missed out on some key points. I actually, that's a very interesting thing. I would love to see a Stephen King interpretation of this because of the fact that this movie is so visually striking and it's so about the, uh, the like the directing is solid, the camera work is solid, the lighting is solid, the acting for the, like it's the, okay. the leads, the lead actors, uh, Sharni and Caroline Burchill are fine. But what's bad is the characters and the script. And that's where Stephen King really excels. The character development is very, very bad. Yeah, so very I feel like... Given, and Stephen King has sometimes struggled with actual plot development. You know, there was, there was a critic who said Stephen King feels too much and thinks too little, which I think is a bit rude, but... <laughs> a bit rude for one of the greatest writers of all time. Yeah, but. so to see him take... And like add character to this, I think that'd be very, very interesting. Well, it's interesting that you say that about Stephen King, too, because I've read some of his books, I've watched some of his movies, and it does seem like, I mean, 75%, whether you're reading or watching the movie, of Stephen King's movies, you're legit scared. Yeah. You know, you're, you're scared of the idea of what this could be, and the description is so there. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the end, and you're like... You're like, okay. Really? Like, yeah. I remember Dreamcatcher. The idea of the movie, Yeah. I mean, it, it pretty much psychologically messes with you the entire movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you're set and scare, and, and the setting's great, and you're believing it. And then at the end, the Dreamcatcher is like some giant alien monster that comes yeah, out definitely. that they have to fight. And I'm like, that has no connection. Yeah, it's just sometimes I feel like the plots are do get a bit muddied with his. Which is why I think this would be a really interesting thing, because it's a a very solid concept with a lot of dramatic potential. It just is missing characters you care about in it. Yeah, you don't really relate to any of the characters. And I remember when me and you were watching it, even at the end, towards the suspenseful part and kind of the, oh, you know, everything's saved... You didn't really have the feeling or the emotion towards it because you were like, oh. you don't know anything about the characters to begin with. Yeah, you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. So to backtrack, the basic premise of the movie is a group of criminals are trying to kidnap the daughter of a jewelry dealer, I guess, like a diamond yeah, merchant. Yeah, like a diamond merchant, yeah. When they kidnap her, they find out, oh no, she's possessed. Very interesting concept because it takes the home invasion angle. It takes, you know a kidnapping gone wrong, and it adds that... Because possession movies, for the most part, are very one-note. They're very, okay, she's possessed, call the priest, she's going to yeah. do some creepy things with her body she shouldn't be able to do. I mean, all the exorcism the movies are the same movie. It's just, yeah. like, you know, you a different problem. The Last Exorcism, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. Some of these movies are good, don't get me wrong, but they are very much, they're very formulaic. So to have a real left turn in the genre, I think, is very interesting, but it's just, it's muddied. Because we were talking about this, the first scene is them staking out the house. <laughs> oh, this is good. <laughs> And then when they come back to their two partners, who like it's four people. It's Hazel played by Shawnee Vincent, Adi 
Played Adi, by yeah, Adi. Ada, Adi, played by Stephen John Ward. His cousin, Mark, played by Zeno Ventura. And we know they're cousins because they say it in that first line of dialogue. <laughs> hey, hey, make they're sure like, we know that. That's why we're cousins. It's like, okay. Character development. Yep, man. We need to know these things. <laughs> and finally, making his acting debut, from what I can tell through IMDb, Gustav Gerdner plays James. I could tell it was his debut. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Little camera shy. So when they come back, they're making a whole mess of, we need six weeks to plan this job. We need six weeks to plan this job. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we need to be out of the country right now. No, but if you want to get this rushed, we'll all end up in jail. And then I, when I first saw it, I was like, cool, we're going to really Really get to know these characters because you have six weeks of planning to yeah. see how each of them would approach situations. You can have Adi, who needs to be out of the country, being like, "No, no, 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 no. We need to be. We need to do this right now and really try to rush the process." And you have the master criminals like having brilliant plans. It would add. That's just a literal goldmine of character development you're sitting on. Oh, absolutely. And you have. What we learned, Hazel has some insider information on this house and on this family. Having her sneak in little tidbits she probably shouldn't know would be great foreshadowing. And what do we get? A title card that says six weeks later. Planning's over. Planning's done. We don't know if they party for six weeks. It's just, yep, we got the plan. And we're going to get into why this major hole in the movie probably leads to other minor holes later on in the film. Yeah. But we see the plan go... In fourth, and I mean, it doesn't take six weeks of planning six weeks for that plan. kind yes. of. <laughs> they go in the middle of the night. They open the door and they walk inside. Like I, I mean, granted, they anticipated the security system would be on, and it wasn't. They anticipated the doors would be locked, and they weren't. But still, I mean, that's not six weeks to you know break a lock. Weeks. You YouTube how to pick a lock, you know, and <laughs> someone's gonna tell you. They just walk in, look around the house. They go into the parents' room, which we will get back to the parents' room. Oh, jeez, we'll get another- back to them. That's actually my major problem with this movie. Definitely. One of them. And he shines the flashlight at their feet. He's like poking around the room and he goes, oh, they're they're asleep. Closes the door and locks them in. And then they go and find the girl. This is not a six-week plan. This is a six-minute plan. Yeah, this is literally, all right, let's meet in the back of McDonald's, you know, draw this out on the back of a a paper bag. And it doesn't take that much planning. And I agree with you that they missed out on so much character tension. Because you had Otto. Yeah. Um, you had him planning to leave the country. Yeah. You know, once he had the money so he could escape yeah. his uh, his court date and, you know, and get out of it. And go to jail. And go to j- Yeah, and escape going to jail. That way, and we'll get into why that yeah. is later. But we're missing out on so much tension being brought. Just different subplots that could be made. And the other thing that I thought of, when they're together in that room and they're like, oh, well, this is how we're going to do it. This is our target, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. In that six week, wouldn't it have been cool if, like, they're planning it out and doing all these side things and then she gets possessed? Yeah. You know, because... It kind of just gets sprung on us like, oh, she's possessed. That was a major problem for me with the movie is we really don't get too, too much background until later on about how it even happened. Because that's that's another interesting area of tension building and character building you can get because when we end up going, like later in the film, we learn that she was possessed. It seems like two or three days after their stakeout. It seems that way. So no one went back to the house to check up, see if their pattern 
Because they're like, oh, they have a predictable pattern. Well, why would you go and see if that pattern's being disrupted by anything? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Certain characters, like the one character was like, no one's predictable. Well, he doesn't go and check if the pattern's been disrupted. Because if one person goes to the house, they're going to see something's wrong. And exactly. That, like, I would, I think that would be so much better if you had a couple seeds of planning. You had a couple seeds where they go back to the house. At least one of the people has a strong suspicion that something is wrong going into the, the kidnapping. Yeah, and someone has like a, a second thought about, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah. You know, maybe, like you said, like they're staking out the house and say he looks in a window and yeah. sees Catherine. Say he sees her like, I don't know, doing some kind of like ritual or yeah. some kind or she's of... she's just like walking around aimlessly like, you know, dead dead face staring at walls. I don't know. Or even when they go back to the house later on yeah. uh, in the movie, which we'll get to that part as well. Yeah. Even if they saw, I, I know that the the uh, the picture, like the face turned, yeah, the face and was looking different ways every time he looked yeah. away. Even if something minor like that happened, because you set that initial scare before you even see the possession, the yeah. the deaths that occur in the in the film. Yeah. You know, you see all of that, and it just gets you that initial thrill that kind of yeah, you know that, throws oh, you something's off, something's yeah. wrong. It's that initial only, like pop. I yeah. guess the only initial thing we get is. He opens her closet and there's some weird scratchings on the wall. And he never brings it up again. I tried to be cool in high school. I carved <laughs> into desks. Yeah. You know, you carve your initials. You carve like, oh, hey, cutie, text me. Like, yes. whatever. We don't know, obviously, you know, with the patterns that it was. We obviously know it was something unusual. You don't even dive into it. They just go. They get the girl. And once again, nothing that you need to really plan for. No. And they get her, they're in the truck, then they're back at their base. My big problem with the capture, mm -hmm. I guess, is because she's Catherine's already possessed at this point yes. w when she's captured. Now, I believe Ada was the one that went in the house? Yes, Ada and Mark. And Mark went in the house, right? Yes. Now, Ada is the one who is approached by Catherine, right? Like he turns uh, yeah, around. Yeah, he turns around and she's standing there. And then Mark grabs her. Yeah. We know that something happens. We're not going to spoil it for yeah. the people listening, but we know that something is going on. We know that something happened. You don't think the the demon or Catherine would put up a little bit more of a fight? Yeah. Then, oh no, I'm caught. Yeah. You that know. That would have been an interesting like little scare. Like Adi gets pushed and like he falls over. And he, is, and he starts being like, something's wrong with this girl. And his cousin's like, ah, eh, you just tripped because you're clumsy or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or anything. Or something, I mean, even getting into, like, the one-two that you were talking about with possession films. Yeah. Like, say he gets cut and he's ex and, like, gets touched by her or something. Yeah. You know, something to just set an initial scare and yeah. say, like, later on through the movie it starts bumbling up or it starts, he starts acting yeah. different. Which we get a glimpse of that or a taste yeah. of that later on, but... Yeah, and the problem, too, is we can't even tell when they're acting differently because we hardly see them acting how they should because we don't know them as characters. The other thing, I do like that the person is possessed right off the get-go. Yeah. Right get I think that's cool. It's a different concept. Yeah. You know, usually you have to wait for the demon to show up, you know, ten minutes left in the movie. Yeah. But I think it would have been interesting if something happened... Mm-hmm. 
I know this cancels out a lot of what happened in the movie. Because you always see it like early in possession movies, like there will be less frequent times of possession. There's always certain times of possession that are shorter. Mm -hmm. So she could have a mini like 30 second episode and be like possessed for that time and then come to. I think it would have been cool if they went to go, you know, capture her. And she was normal, yeah. and they take her in, and they're, oh, this is easy. Yeah. And then starting to show even more signs. That way, because even when they capture her originally, and they look at her, and they're like, oh, are you sure we're not doing her a favor? She looks like she hasn't eaten in weeks yeah. or whatever. They're still not showing that they're nervous about it. Yeah, they're very, like, she has, like, blood spots in her eyes or something. Yeah, and, and she's, and her hair's all, like, yeah, strangly. And, and, and Hazel's, like... What'd you do to her? And he's like, she was like that when we got her. I'm like, isn't that something you should be concerned about? I mean, a rich guy's daughter, they're probably going to be poolside drinking out of pineapples. And no rich guy's daughter is going to look like that. Yeah, you don't so, get that from like, you know, a lime squirt in your eye or something <laughs> like that. That's a lot of damage, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of missing makeup. It is. It's and just... I they, just feel like they missed a lot. There's a lot of cool stuff and cool ideas, but they just don't go as far as they should. Now... I don't know if you want to dive into the parent thing right now, but if you want to spoil it. We could dive right in. I don't care. Because it kind of ties together. So correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. So you're probably probably right right off the bat. So when they go there, Anna Mm -hmm. believes that the parents are sleeping. Yes. Right? Now we come to find out later on in the movie, which we'll talk about how it actually happens. Yeah. At that time, when they go to capture Catherine, mm-hmm. the parents are dead. Yes. In and bed. have been for about, cautious estimate, four weeks. Four weeks. I would guess four weeks. Let's say, because she, she got possessed six weeks ago, let's say there was a week of, hey, something's wrong with our daughter. And during that second week, they called in the priests. Let's just say that. Four weeks. And it happened, by the way, in that six weeks that we missed. Now, I have a lot of problems with how Anna didn't notice that the parents were dead. Yes. First of all, working for a funeral home, mm-hmm. I know what a body smells like. Yep. You look at it, you smell it a day or two after. You're telling me this guy with a bandana around his nose is just invincible to that smell? Yeah, it's just, it doesn't puncture his bandana, no. Four weeks, you're telling me, and he didn't just look at the feet and being like, oh, they're not moving, they're sleeping. Yeah. You look at the face. Yeah. The face would be so decrepit and so battered. It would. It would be bloated and decompensated. Yeah. Purge coming out. It would, it would be gross. Yeah, it would be gross. It'd be and it, gnarly. There would probably be a presence of flies. Yep. Probably some sort of like, like rotting. Maggots. Yeah, yeah, maggots. I don't understand how none of that was even touched upon. Yeah, they don't. And even like the second time they go in, that's when they first notice like the apples arrive. I understand why you wouldn't shine a flashlight in the parent's face, but you would look at the parent's face. Absolutely. You would shine it, say, on the shoulders. You would at least look and how they die. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like there's there's punctures everywhere. Yeah. That was one of my biggest complaints. First of all, it takes away from the credibilities of the characters that we know nothing about. And second of all, it just takes away, like, like the believability yeah. of the whole situation. It's, it is a cool idea in theory to go into a house for one reason and be like, oh, you know, we kidnapped her, good job, and then go back and you find out that everything in the house has been very wrong f- for a while. However, it is so unrealistic to see two people in a bed for at least four weeks dead and to not be able to get a whiff of that. No. At all. You can get a whiff of that down the street. Yeah. You know? Get a whiff of 
anything rotting in that household. Any of the fresh produce, any of the stuff that's been left on the counter. Anything. Anything that, you know, like in the fridge. Anything in the fridge, yeah, because if the power went out or yeah. whatever. And probably a neighbor would have called something at that point. A neighbor, weeks. I mean, correct and, me if I'm wrong, yeah. I believe neighbors were like in close proximity. Yeah, it's not like were, this was in a country. And this father is a rich, you know, jewelry dealer. Tell me, doesn't had he had no business meetings or calls <laughs> in, in at least four weeks. No one needed to know where he is within four weeks. My only support of that was yeah. like if he's retired, but they didn't even say that. They didn't say that. They didn't give us. They that. didn't even say that. These people, it's like reverse. It's a Wonderful Life where they these parents died and found out that no one needed them at all, even their daughter. And the priests who were also there, they weren't needed. No. No one came calling for them either. I'm sure the priest missed a couple of sermons. It all goes back to knowing about the characters and the development of it because you're left with so many holes in the movie. If they had said, okay, we're doing it right, if it was a rush job and they sprinted through the house, grabbed her, ran out, and didn't notice anything, that's one thing. That's one. That's character building. Oh, we didn't notice because we were in such a rush. We didn't even stop to think. Okay, that tells us something about these characters, but we didn't get any of that. Here's my other issue with the plan itself. All right, yeah. So they go to this abandoned like warehouse. Yeah, like a factory apparently. or something. They they chain her up. My problem is what their plan was is they were gonna hold the the, the daughter for ransom. Yes. Call the parents, mm-hmm. which first of all, how'd you get their cell phone number? Second of all, call them and say, hey, we have your daughter. Yep. We, we want... They didn't even say what the, um, the ransom was. I no, they filmed a video. Believe. They didn't say it in the phone call. They, in the video they filmed, they were like, we want your supply of diamonds, which I guess they would sell to like a black market guy. Like that made sense. Yeah. Especially because you're not dealing with cash. I harder to trace. Harder, harder to trace. Yeah. So you'd be like, okay, we want your spare diamonds in these four locations for your daughter. That made sense to me, but what I think you're about to allude to is the fact that they send the video, they call twice, get no answer, and they say, you need to go back to the house. Yes, that is my big problem. First of all, because you email them. Yeah. First of all, you don't block the email. Yeah. Or whatever. So, I mean, if, if it was like, hey, daughter kidnappers, 27, you're screwed. Yeah. You know, they're going to know who it is. And the phone number, they never say that they're it's not traceable, whatever. Yeah. And then they just don't answer. And they're like, well, we got to go back and wake them up. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Even if these people were right about the situation, what did they know about the parents? They were asleep. Asleep. In their minds, when they looked in, they're like, oh, the parents are asleep. Let's move on. They didn't even think, oh, well, maybe their cell phones are off so they can sleep. Their cell phones are downstairs charging so they can sleep. Even if they were sleeping, six weeks to plan this, even with that time frame, you're not like, oh, someone stay behind in case they're sleeping. When we leave, knock on the window or something or throw a rock through the window because at that point, I mean, yeah. You know, you're criminals. You just kidnap someone. Who cares if you break a window? (laughs) Yeah, a broken window on top of kidnapping a teenage girl. When I first saw that scene, I was like, okay, they're not answering. They're probably going to wait till the morning and stuff's going to happen in the meantime. And then they're like, you got to go back. I'm like, what? Why? My other problem is when they go back to the house. Mm -hmm. Now, the listeners can probably guess that they find out that the parents are dead. But this is the first instance of us finding out what the hell is really going on in relation to the demon and why these four are being like kind of messed with. 
Because we don't really have an idea of why the four are connected Mm -hmm. or like why or what has really happened. And actually, that's a really interesting thing, too. Like, I've seen a lot of horror movies. I've written horror stories. I've written horror movies. So I know how they typically go. Finding dead people who you didn't know were dead is usually the turning point. It's when the show and game, no matter how supernatural they are, they stop. We had scenes where... James sees his daughter, and we had scenes where Hazel sees her mother, but we had those at the same time, roughly in the movie of discovering dead people. Yeah, it was thrown at the same time, because I believe it's Mark who was in the, what did he, he killed his... It's never really said what who he killed, but his mother is the one who Was the one who him. died, right? Yeah. Anna was the one who killed his friend? Yes, his... In a, in a Anna, driving accident? It's, it's revealed that his, his friend, his brother, his something, and him were driving, and Anna was drunk. They got into a car accident. Anna slid his brother, friend, whatever he was, into the driver's seat... To make it look like he died at the wheel drunk while Anna survived in the passenger seat. But the cops knew. The cops found out and he's going to jail. I honestly, probably not for as long as he thinks no, he's going to jail for. That's the part I don't understand. They never really say what his sentence is. And when they start seeing the ghosts yeah. and the attacking, we're like, who the hell are these people? Yeah. You know, but they mean something to the characters, and the fact that we find out what they mean after we first see them, I think, hurts their impact. Even throughout the whole movie, we don't know if James, his daughter's alive or dead. I have no idea if his daughter's alive. Or we dead. don't know. There's only one line about her in the whole movie. Yeah. And we see a picture at his desk in the warehouse. Yeah. Or at the computer. Yeah, he puts it on one of the monitors or whatever. But we don't know if she's alive. We, we don't, don't know if she's, she's dead. Alive. We don't know what happened. Because he says he sees his daughter, and everyone these characters see is dead. So I, you would think he's dead. Yeah. But he makes a deal at the end to see his daughter, so which makes me think she's alive. I know we're talking, but I guess doing a podcast, we have to kind yeah. of critique and see what's you know really wrong with the movie. Yeah. The movie itself isn't bad. It's not bad. There's it's just, just there's so many issues. With there's it. so many holes that could be filled. Like you said, like, like even if the movie started with the four instances, mm-hmm. you know, say quick little cutaway scenes yeah. of... The guy crashing and, you know, and moving his brother and then getting caught. And then whatever happened with the daughter and then say like a scene of the fire, which in the prelude, we kind of see a fire in someone's face. Yeah, we see a weird spark effect where they're like little uh, embers of a flame flying across the screen, which is a bad CGI effect they do at least three or four times. (laughs) Yeah. And we see Hazel getting out of bed and you can see, I didn't even see this the first time I saw it. Yeah. She has a burn on her right shoulder Uh and she's like getting out of bed. Yeah. So to be like, oh, she has some connection with fire. Yeah, like something has happened to her. And yeah. you get that idea, but Hazel's the most, Hazel's developed, the most developed character. And but most of her development comes in like three lines of dialogue. It speaks volumes, I guess, to mm-hmm. the the director and the producer that we can kind of follow the story without that much dialogue. Yeah. But I just think the movie could have been from a B, you know, from a C plus or from a C mm-hmm. to like a B, B plus rating yeah. just based on... Just a couple yeah. lines or emotion, you know, something to kind of get us to relate yeah. to the characters a little bit. I see a lot of indie horror movies because there's a lot of really good indie horror movies. Yeah. But I watch a lot of them and it's just so sad when you see a movie like this that can be great. It has all the makings of pot- and potential and it just isn't great. 
Especially because the thing it has the most wrong is the script. Yeah. And the script is the only thing you can have right before an actor is cast, before a scene is shot, yeah. before a director is hired. You can have a script that is solid. And the script is what makes a movie come to life. I don't understand why you would go to the next step of the filmmaking process with a script that has this many holes in it. It just seems like they were like, all right, well, this, 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 and... Go with it. So when they go back to the house, they find videotapes, like VHS tapes. This is 2017. I don't know what video camera they had records on VHS, but <laughs> yeah. we'll roll with it. I miss VHS. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? They never even say, like, what time frame this is. They don't. That, again, would add at least a slight hint of character being like, VHS? What These, these people are rich. What are they doing with this kind of thing? We get no throwaway lines like that that give character. Then again, I think in a lot of scary movies, kind of VHS with like the staticky and yeah, you know yeah. that kind of adds a little bit of like scare and yeah. like kind of creepiness. The, like and the poor like production quality means like might not be able to see in the shadows. Yeah, like, like if it was a Blu-ray, we'd be like, yeah. and if it was like no signal, yeah, like we'd be weird. Yeah. You know? If you're recording in like 4K, it might not be as scary. But yeah, what are you gonna do? So they see the tapes and they bring it back after they each have a scene. This is where the pacing really does kind. Of to fall apart for a little bit where they each have a scene of, tr of following their respective morning ghosts or whatever. James with his daughter, Hazel with her mother in the fire. You have Mark with his mother which we get no explanation. We have we know nothing about Mark and his mother except the fact that Mark's mother's dead. And you have Otto with his brother, friend, whatever he yeah, is. Yeah, there is one line later in the movie. Mm -hmm. Otto looks at him and goes, oh, she's dead. She's a piece of shit. I was like, like, whoa, whoa. We don't even know what happened. Yeah. That was just weird to me. Yeah. yeah. They each have like, there's like a 20 minute section of this movie that's just that. That's just going from one chasing a ghoul to another chasing yep. a ghoul kind of thing, or a ghoul chasing them. And then when they come back, we watch the VHS tapes, which is literally a good 15 minutes of just sheer exposition. Actually, before that, Mark gets attacked by his mother. She does like a tongue with spikes that goes down Mark's throat, and I was really thinking succubus, which that really threw me off. Like, that's yeah, a succubus that's, thing. I believe the van that they were driving flips on their way back from the house. Yeah, because Otta's driving home, and he sees his brother friend in the road, and he's like, he has a violent swerve. And then it flips. And then they flip, and they leave the van separately for no reason. Now, that's when Mark gets possessed, right? Yes. Once he gets the succubus tongue, he starts foaming at the mouth hardcore, just spitting out, like, you know, bubbles. Like, he has, like, a full, like, Listerine mouth. It seems like all the other people are possessed directly by Catherine, and this one just kind of happens off yeah, to the off, side. off screen. Like, is it like a succubus taking the form of his mother and now she's coming for everyone? Was Catherine involved with the death somehow? Yeah. I, we don't know. We don't know. It's very disconnected. And then since Mark's foaming at the mouth, they put him in another room and they just lock him up. They're like, see you when you're not crazy or something. By the way, they go to watch the video on the third floor. Mark is by himself in yep. a room on the first. So Foaming at the mouth, hitting his head on the walls. It's like, you should probably check up on that guy. They go to the videotapes, which are just pure exposition. 
possession. We see Catherine not possessed, and she's recording, she's saying directly to camera what we need to know about the situation, which is the house is haunted, the house is the most haunted thing to ever exist. People who move there end up murdering relatives. Someone who murdered her son, someone who murdered a wife or something like that. And they mention a fire and they say a little girl named Hazel escaped the fire, but her parents died in it. That's when we get Hazel's like three lines of exposition. They're like, you do about this? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, my father and Catherine's father were business partners. The fire happens. Hazel lost everything, ended up being on welfare and on the streets. Catherine's father not only took the whole diamond business, but also moved into the house. Which, first of all, I don't get that part. Second off, that is a very interesting way for someone to get back at someone. Yeah. And it's an interesting character plot in that regards. Yeah. That it ties back all the way to that and actually ties to why the house is haunted. It's almost like Hazel explains it and then they're like... Okay. Those three lines of dialogue are more exp- or more character than anyone else has. Yeah. And as a result, I do like Hazel's character. Oh, yeah. I don't care about anyone else, really. You kind of almost start to finally root for someone. Yeah, because you're like, oh, she had her entire life ripped away by this awful person. And she has a scene with Catherine where she's doing the hostage video. Yeah. And she shows her that the gun is empty. She's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I swear to God. Yeah. I'm just trying to get back at your father who's a jerk. Yeah. She was like, trust me. I'm not going to shoot you. And I'm like, wow, I get so much more about Hazel. I like Hazel. Not just because she's Shardy Vincent and I love Shardy Vincent. But I'm like, I get her character. I see where she's coming from. I see her motivations. I can root for her. And she's the only one I can. The other three guys are just kind of there. They're just kind of there with like weird motivations. Demons in their past. Yeah. Yeah. Out of those three I don't know anything about James or Mark besides Mark is Adi's cousin and James has a daughter. I don't know anything Nothing. about them. And I know a little bit about Adi but it's all terrible things. It's all I tried to frame my dead friend for the, <laughs> for the accident I caused. You make and I got so nice. caught, so I need to flee the country to avoid my 15 years of jail time. Just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, especially because, I mean, granted, I, I, I may be being a bit of a jerk in my analysis, of, but when I hear flee the country to avoid jail time, I assume either a rich person who laundered money and can has the resources to get away, or you're an absolute psychopath murderer. Only the very, very guilty run. So we watched the videotapes after the first video where Hazel's like, well, we needed a house. This house fit the prayers we were looking for. That's why I picked it, which is, again, great character development for one person. Then we get the second video, which is just beautiful, where we get a couple of priests, where one priest has this, like, Razal Ghoul, like, dragon fang ring for he, some reason. I think he's, he's going to fight Batman or yeah, something. Yeah, and he's not a good actor. But his other priest looks like your typical priest, you know, like, Preacher, old guy, or, white hair, white slim beard. Kind of portrays almost fear. Yeah, and he's like, oh no, the devil is in this house. I am scared. And he's like, well, we have to do something about this. And then the other guy is just, like, carving an apple with his claw finger, and he's like, we must burn her. And it's like... And it's interesting that you bring up the apple because apparently the house... Oh, no. ...is haunted because it's the furthest place on Earth from the Vatican? 
Yeah, there's some sacred text that was written by God himself in the Vatican, I believe. And this house is the furthest point from that on Earth. Now, I would love to take where the Vatican is yep. in Rome. <laughs> on a map. Go to the other side and actually see like where it would end up. Because I don't, I don't think it's North America. I don't think it is either. I would imagine South America or an ocean. Yeah, like what island are you on? Where, where are you on are Alcatraz? You? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, literally, where are you on the planet? Granted, this movie was made in South Africa. But it ain't in South Africa either. No, because South, South, South Africa is directly south from yeah. the Vatican. It's just such a convoluted way to be like, you could say I have any reason for a house to be haunted. <laughs> any reason. Some guy who was a real jerk died here and he hasn't left. There you go. But you had to make this whole story about the farthest place from the Vatican, so it's the unholy. Which is honestly a load of fucking shit. Because <laughs> not only that, let's think of it like this. Let's think of it like this. So, it's the farthest place from this. So, is it the farthest place from the Vatican as a whole? So, would it be the whole town that's haunted? Or is it only from the actual text themselves, which would mean it would be a sheet of paper's worth of the most haunted thing? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That... Oh my god, I don't even know. I don't even know. It's just a stupid concept. I would have honestly accepted, like, oh man, someone was attacked by three wild boars here. Yeah. And they stepped on the sacred Bible before they did it. I would accept that before that. And the apple thing, it was. Yeah, he's like carving the apple. He's like, he like pokes a hole in the apple. He goes, this is the Vatican. This is where the sacred texts are. He like scrapes around the apple. He goes, this is your house. And if you. It's just I just have so many problems with it. I have so many questions and I have zero answers. Oh, that's just one part of this video. By the way, the whole furthest from the Vatican gets totally disregarded. Like, because usually, I mean, you watch more horror movies than me, but usually if there's a base point for where the horror is generated from, you usually have to go to that spot. Yeah. And, I don't know, stab a sword in it or, like, you know, read a sermon. There are tons of examples of franchises and things where it just happens because this place is evil. Buffy the Vampire Slayer had seven seasons worth of horror stories. Why? Well, this place is a hellmouth. There you go. Here's your answer. Like, they, I mean, they go into it a little bit more, but it's just, it's a hellmouth. Okay. If you tell me this town has committed tons of sins, so this house is haunted, or the first person who, the person who built it was a jerk. Someone was first murdered in this house, or yeah. someone killed themselves or in this house. a cult had a ritual here and doomed the foundation Yeah, forever. house is built on Indian burial grounds. Yeah, you see don't that care. Lot. It's just so over the top for a throwaway exposition. Like, it doesn't come back again. No. It's not referenced again. No. If you're using something just as a means to explain why something is evil do something simpler than that I just I feel like I guess we learn from the priest she is possessed by some demon with a really long name with lots of consonants in it like Tacolalaka whatever it is Tacolalaka yeah something like that we're gonna call him T we're gonna call him T and he needs four souls to manifest in physical form he's possessed four souls to become alive to represent the four corners of hell so I guess hell is a two dimensional square it's probably because it's so far from the Vatican. It's probably. Yeah. Because it's, it's like a piece of paper, like the paper was written on the by God See, himself. we're starting to get it. We're starting oh, to get we're it. we're killing it now. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I was like, okay, he needs four souls 
we have four main characters. Easy peasy. Then they're like, oh no, Catherine counts as the first soul, so they only need three people. I'm like, okay. And then in the video, we see Catherine, they try to burn her alive. She had to burn alive Downstairs the person. Downstairs in the house, yeah. And the parents are okay with the first half of this play until they actually start dumping oil on their daughter, and they're like, hey, don't burn our daughter, I guess. And then Catherine just kills the four of them. That's four souls you could have had, T. With this little information, if I'm not mistaken, she levitates a bunch of garden tools yeah, like and like screwdrivers, and screwdrivers, things speeds, like that, yeah. And uses the force, yeah, like a Jedi, yeah, <laughs> to literally just, stab all of them and yeah. kill them instantly. You use all this mind freak powers and levitations and yeah. deception, can't break out of a rope. Nope. Because a soul is taken when the succubus kind of tongue, tongue comes, comes out, out and goes into someone's mouth and yeah, you know, sucks their soul sucks out. their soul out. And we never see her tongue in that flashback either, in that VHS. No, and I guess when someone's dead, you can't take their soul. That is that, You can't take their the soul, it's already gone. It's already gone. She yeah. could have very easily, like, she does it to James, I think, at some point. She, like, throws stuff at him but doesn't kill him, like, keeps him alive so she can take his soul. Yeah, why don't you So you could have just thrown the spades at, like, at ankles, at hands, and been like, oh, cool, you're pinned to the wall. Soul sucking time. Or even, time. like, you knock pipes down or something yeah. and just knock them out and then break out of it and go that way. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense. So a after that, our criminals see the video and they're like, oh, so this person needs three souls and she'll double in power whenever she gets another soul. Their first inkling... Well, some of them is to, hey, let's get out of here. And they just, they can't, I guess? You know what's funny? I don't know what happens where they can't leave. Because the, the next thing that preoccupies them is they're like, hey, we haven't heard from Mark in a while, and he's down frothing at the mouth and hitting his head on the wall. They go down check on him, and he's already escaped to go, I don't know, do whatever demons do. And then Catherine, <laughs> like, demons force levitates him and, like, bre breaks his back, but she, he's already possessed. Yeah, which... Doesn't make sense to me. And it's almost like he escapes. It's almost like they start running from him because he's acting different. Yeah. And then they split up because the demon is like kind of, you know, messing with them and throwing things yeah. at him and threatening to break out of those Thor-like chains that she's, Apparently. you know, strapped down by, which yeah. I'll never understand why she couldn't break out of them. Yeah, that's the one thing. So... Well, I remember Mark gets thrown through a window and Adi goes up to get him for whatever reason. Yeah. And James and Hazel go to see Catherine, who is levitating at the time when they walk in. Hazel goes back to help Adi for whatever reason. And Catherine's like, hey, James, do you want to see your daughter again? Yeah, this is the part I remember. This is the part that makes no sense. You want to see your daughter again? If I kill you, you go to hell because you've done bad things. But make a deal with the devil and bring me the other two and you can see your daughter again. Which is what makes no sense because we were led to believe his daughter was dead. Or his daughter, at first we thought his daughter was alive because he put the picture up. Yeah. Then we thought he's dead because he saw her in the creepy ghoul mode. Yeah, and it's funny because when she told Hazel, oh, I saw... I, I saw him. She's like, that's impossible. I believe the daughter's name is Sarah, yeah, if I'm some, not mistaken. Something like that. But, oh, I saw Sarah, and he's like, you're crazy. She yeah. was like, you're crazy. Yeah, so it makes me think, okay, she's dead. But when she's like, you can see your daughter again, I was like, how? If Catherine kills James right now, he goes to hell. If... James is a terrible person, and he dies of old age. He's going to hell. When is he seeing his daughter? Or it, would she and, kill and he him his, anyway? He made his deal with the devil. He's going to hell. 
So when could he see his daughter if she's it, not alive? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, the cop-out and the selling out of yeah. James makes no sense either. And then we get a lovely thrown-away line where when James is, like, offering Adi and Hazel... Adi's like, she's like a sister to you or, or a daughter to you. I don't even remember what it is because it makes no sense. It's just thrown in there. Yeah, it makes no sense. Because and there's literally no connection between the two no. during the entire movie. Besides, they're doing a crime together. And, and Catherine levitates Hazel to get the keys. I thought it was to possess her. But apparently Catherine, in her infinite power of the force, can't get through the chain on her neck. Which I don't understand. It doesn't make any and, sense. and they don't give any explanation and as not to why only, that is. Not only can she not rip the chains off of her herself, she can't even like force grab the keys that Hazel has and bring them to her. She needs someone to let her out. Why? Yeah, I just if you can keys. just levitate the keys. Yeah, Hazel likes has a moment where she goes. If you want to let her go, do it yourself and throws the keys. And Catherine just stands there waiting for James to unleash her. I'm like, go get the keys yourself. You can throw tools at people. You can levitate them. You can, yeah. you know, you can cause trickery yourself. with the lights. Yeah. You can float yourself. But you can't break out of a chain. And you can't get keys. James unlocks her. Yeah. And then as she has them both levitated, about to take two souls at once, yeah. he pushes, he yeah, pushes he, her? He reneges on his deal with the devil almost instantly. Yeah. And he's like, go, I'll take care of her. And he does one of my absolute least favorite things in horror movies. He strangles her with the chain, not strangle the chain. Oh, that's right. It. Yeah. But he's like, I got her. I killed her. I hate it when characters see something and they say you can only kill something with this and they think they've killed them with something else with something else yeah because it's made quite clear he saw the video he, he watched the video we saw where it said you have to burn the first person possessed yeah. Catherine has to be set on fire to be killed and yet he strangles her with a chain and goes yep I did it but he's straight fire He's straight. That's what it is. He's yeah. flame. Instantly, we have another terrible sacrifice. So uh, there's been a couple times where, where Hazel has seen this vent with her dead mom in it. And apparently her dead mom is on her side. I'll get to that in a second. So Adi is like, oh, the demons are coming for us. They have three already. We need to, you know, get out of here. And Hazel goes into the vent and Adi closes it right behind him and be like, go, go on without me. And I was like, oh, okay. So Adi's going to become the fourth soul and it's going to be Hazel versus... The demon T. The demon, yeah. For the last third of the movie. That's kind of cool. But not only does Hazel make no progress of getting out during this distraction, but then Adi shoots himself in the head while she, while he can still like look in the vent and see her. So she hasn't gotten away and she hasn't even gotten like the demon off of her trail. I understand the sacrifice. Yeah. You know, oh, you can't use my soul. But now you just took numbers away, you know? You took numbers away, and now she has to fight the demon and escape the demon and James and Mark by herself. By herself. Which makes no sense. Yeah, and without a gun, because he has the gun that he shot himself with. I believe he even said, it'll never stop chasing, it only wants one of us. But then you killed yourself. I thought what was going to happen is... Okay, she's going to take Adi's soul, and now Hazel could be like, oh, okay, so this demon's not going to come after me because it's got what it's wanted. Then it goes, you know what? I want to kill you too. Especially because that's the sequence in horror movies called the false climax, where it's like you think the movie could end right there. 
Yeah. And then it doesn't. And then it, you go to the character goes to their lowest of their lows. Yeah. That's what that scene is supposed to be. There's no way that movie could have ended right there. So it's not believable. But then there's the one thing that drives me probably the gives me the most questions in this whole movie, which considering what we've just talked about is saying something. <laughs> so Hazel leaves. She goes to the van that's turned over for whatever reason. The demons are after her. She locks Catherine with a handcuff in the van. But then, like, Mark and James are after her. But then her dead mom comes and, like, burns the two demons to death. Because here's what makes no sense. Each one of the four characters has a demon or a yeah. ghoul that goes after them. James has his daughter. Adi has his brother, friend, whatever. Mark has his mother. And Hazel has her mother. These seem to be... Catherine's doing. Yep. They seem to be okay. Well, Mark's mother is doing is stealing Mark's soul on behalf of Catherine. The daughter is there to put the idea in James's head about seeing his daughter again by Catherine. Yeah. And the brother friend is there to unnerve Adi on behalf of Catherine. Hazel's mother throughout the movie helps Hazel. Is the only one that's helping. Is the only one that does anything but scary time blah. And she helps her, which doesn't make any sense. How did, like, did she come separately? <laughs> did she, like, you know, go behind Demon T's back and is no. like, oh yeah, I'll help you get my daughter. Pfft, I'm totally gonna help my daughter when I get down there. This is the only logical connection I can yeah. make. We don't know if she's dead. We don't know how James's daughter died. We don't know how Mark's mother died. We know what happened to Ada's cousin or whatever. Ada's cousin. Is. Yeah. yeah. We we know what happened there. This was a little. Uh, portion of, that we forgot to mention earlier. It seemed that the person that was haunted or you know um, possessed mm -hmm. in the house was guilty of a loss. Yeah, of, was guilty of a killing. So yeah, the the one thing that could possibly undermine what I think, what I think Justin's about to explain, and what could also undermine why the parents and priests weren't taken, is the only prerequisite for having your soul taken by Catherine is you have to be mourning someone, which yeah. is probably the most broad definition I've ever heard. I mean, because people mourn for everything. years and, and for, yeah, for anything and for a long duration of time. I'm mourning the pizza I could have gotten a little Caesar right now. <laughs> that would have been great. I know. There's so many things and there's so many things that people miss over time. It's very broad. It would be great to be haunted by a pizza, though. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> you know how many times I would just let it come to me? You know, oh, times no. A pizza. Oh, my God. I extra cheese. <laughs> you know, and just I would shut all the lights off at all oh, times. Yeah. You know, I hear someone, you know, Ooh. <gasps> oh, God, the pizza's back. <laughs> oh. Not with more toppings. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd let a pizza possess me. You know what? I probably have. Oh, yeah. In <laughs> going back to Catherine, yeah. before she was possessed, she actually had an abortion. Yes, yes. That was one. Of, and that was her That was her mourning. mourning. So to say that Hazel wasn't mourning, mm -hmm. she was the character probably most affected by this whole thing. So that doesn't even seem right. But yeah. it almost makes me seem that T, the, yeah. the, the demon could only take guilty souls almost. Say James was watching his daughter, turned around or went to the bathroom and his daughter like drowned in a pool. Yeah. Say that happened. 
guilty conscience. Adi was the driver in the vehicle and killed his cousin. I believe they make it seem like there's hints throughout the movie that Mark murdered his mother. Yeah, I think so. Or, you know, that she was was maybe like domestic or something and Mark struck her or whatever. He's also also the loose cannon of the team, I would probably say. Yeah, the, the guy who's like kind of... Shows some aggressiveness yeah, throughout. He's the wacky dude. He's the Dean Ambrose. He's of, the uh, dude. He's the dude. <laughs> he is. So unpredictable. Oh, man. Give him a chainsaw. See what he does. <laughs> it almost seems like because Hazel's innocent, you know, it, it, maybe that's why her spirit or her her mourning, her mm-hmm. loss is helping her. That's just me jumping to conclusions. Yeah. The but only other th- explanation I could have is like maybe Catherine actually is summoning these spirits and like the mother attacks Mark because the mother holds Mark responsible. Adi's friend holds Adi responsible, so he attacks Adi. Yeah. Hazel's mother doesn't hold Hazel responsible, so Hazel's mom helps. Yeah, Hazel. that's what I'm trying to, you that know. That doesn't explain why Catherine's abortion had her possessed. I don't imagine a zygote had, would have ill intentions yeah, towards Catherine, but that's as, that's as good as I can come up with, I think. They're almost like kind of the innocent bystander. In, yeah. Like, the, she's almost like, oh, well, it was kind of out of her control, a fire. Yeah. But everything else was done by Mark. Was done with Done by James. Done by yeah. yeah. It was in their control. So yeah. that's, that would be my guess. But And why is she making her appearance? If you could have burned the demon, why didn't she do it the whole time? Right. Especially because it seems like her superpower is fire, which is exactly what we need. Yeah, right throughout now. the whole movie. Yeah. It almost reminds me of uh, Lord of the Rings where they're yeah. walking and yeah, they, they could have taken... Flown. Yeah, they could have flown with the... I yeah. don't remember the beast's name. But. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense too, especially because like, I get the, the symbolic thing where Hazel, scarred by a fire, has to use fire to cleanse the demon. I totally get that. Yeah. But then she does get this deus ex machina of her mother whose literal superpower appears to be fire. It's yeah. like she could have taken care of this. As soon as she was called into action by T, she could have been like, Yeah, cool, I'm gonna go yeah. I'm gonna go help kill my daughter, <clears throat> set on fire. Yeah, and here's the other part I don't understand. So the mother burns Mark and James. For a long time. For a very too. long time. Now during this time, Catherine is chained in the van. Yes. She eventually gets out of the chain. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I believe she like bites through her skin. She, to yeah, she the, bites through her skin so she's bleeding so the uh, so, cuffs are slick on her hands. Yeah. yeah. So throughout 70% of the movie mm-hmm. Catherine has one soul. Well, T's got one soul. T's got one soul. And she's still powerful, can't be, you know, can't be stopped, can't be yeah. tamed. You know, sounds like a DMX song. But, uh, no, you know. That's that Roy Jones Jr. song. Oh, Roy Jones Jr. That's can't that. be touched, can't be stopped. That's how she is through the whole thing. The second those two souls that she didn't have throughout the whole movie are killed, then Hazel can just manhandle. Yeah, she... She whoops the demon. Like, whoops Catherine. She's... Catherine is in the van. She's handcuffed in the van again, and Hazel goes and watches her mother burn Mark and James for a very long time. Yeah. When she finally goes back, she sees, you know, Catherine's out of the van, and then she sneaks up on Catherine and whoops her. With yeah. a wrench or a pipe or something. Yeah, literally. Beats her down. Whoops her. Like, puts her down, and I'm like. And drags her back to the van. And, like, how did you get weaker? I mean, maybe, like, oh, well, she lost the souls, now she's weaker again. But still, 
She gets snuck up on, whooped, and then dragged back to the van. And she was powerful throughout the whole movie. Yeah. She finally gets her back in the van, and she starts, you know, pouring a gasoline trail out of the van, lights it on fire. We never see Catherine again in the van, but we hear her screams. So I think it's, it's another one of those things for someone who's already escaped from the van to spend that much time between back in the van to setting on fire does seem like... I mean, the windows were broken in that van. She didn't even handcuff her again. No. Like to her other hand. She could have just slipped out, but apparently she didn't. The demon was just like, okay, this is how I... Go. Because there's no sequel, yeah. apparently so, the demon's dead. Fire. And then and she Hazel just... walks away. Just walks off. Just walks away. Side note. So, I don't know where they are. I mean, I know they're the furthest from the Vatican. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. But I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's like an island that features all like different features or yeah. what. Because you end up in an, in an urban upper class neighborhood. Yeah. Stealing the girl. Then you end up in a city at a warehouse. And then they're in the woods. That doesn't really She's click with on a, me. On a dirt road. She's going to be walking for a long time. Long time yeah. and who's cutting through the woods from the city to get to the uh, the, the the warehouse you know, to the it's... warehouse or even to back to the house that was in the city yeah it just uh, the random patch of woods didn't really click with me i understand it's to give a scare to the movie yeah. but i mean the, yeah she's gonna be walking for a while Plus, she's probably going to jail when she gets back to town. No one's going to buy her story. No, and she's not. She's not, I mean, well, I don't know. Is she, is she the good guy? She's kind of the good guy. She, I mean, or she just, she's a kidnapper, but a nice kidnapper, I guess. But, like, it, it, can you even charge her with murder? Breaking in because everyone's dead? I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to be technical, she didn't do the breaking in, I guess. She didn't do the taking. She didn't murder the parents or the priest. They do have the videotapes. I guess you could play to the cops, I guess, if you really... And, like, what is she going to say? Oh, we tried to take her so she wasn't possessed anymore. Like, her story of how she got there still didn't land her in jail. Yeah, at least a little bit. You talk about video recordings they might have. They also have the one where they sent to her parents. There was a lot of the movie that just didn't really click with me. But overall, I was entertained, which is weird. It does have some elements of a sort of, like, train wreck kind of, like, you can't look away. I mean, I don't want want to call this movie a train wreck because it wasn't that bad. No. Visually, it was very cool. I thought the directing, the lighting, some of the effects were bad, but it's it's an indie film. What are you going to do sometimes? Yeah, looking looking at that aspect of the movie, I actually thought they did pretty good with what they yeah. had. Um, because there wasn't really a lot of, like, throw around the ketchup special effects. I mean, not every movie can have Michael Bay th- blowing up things. Right. I actually thought they did a decent job in that regard. Yeah, they clearly didn't have the highest budget. No. And what they did have in budget probably went to hiring Shawnee Vincent, which she's the bright spot of the movie, too. So Yeah, that saved the movie. And even, like, the ghosts and the demons, they weren't terrible. Yeah, I was also really sad, too, because I found this out after the fact. The director, Alistair Orr, he also made a movie called Indigenous, which I really like. It's a I've, actually, I've heard of yeah, that. It's, it's a movie where these kids go into like South American woods and they find the chupacabra, essentially. It's really cool. That's kind of like, cool. I, I mean, I've said I've loved creature features. It's not just your run-of-the-mill creature feature. There's some really interesting elements to it. Just like I think in this movie, there's some really interesting elements to it. And the genre twist is cool. Yeah. And the two most important actors in the movie, Shiny and... 
Catherine Burchill, who plays Catherine, yeah. are very good. It's just that the effects aren't that great, and the script is all over the place. The pacing's yeah. not good. The character development's not good. There's just so many unanswered questions and untapped potential in this script that I would love to see. Like, normally, I hate it when there's an Americanization of a movie. Like when Ringu becomes the ring, even though that was one of the more successful ones. Like when Let the Right One In became Let Me In. Okay. It's, it, beca- it becomes a slightly... Wasn't the, wasn't the grudge originally The grudge was originally, it was called Juwan, I believe. Yeah. As a quick side note, I would totally recommend, guys, if there's an Americanization of a horror movie, watch the original with subtitles on. It's probably going to be a great experience. Probably better what the American version is going to be. But what I was going to say is I would not mind a remake of this movie with a slightly more competent script, screenplay behind it. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't object to it. I mean, you're an aspiring movie writer. You've developed scripts, you've edited scripts, you've entered contests. You're trying to do something because any other scary movie writer or anything could just come up with an idea. I think in regards to up and coming people or, you know, guys who are kind of trying to come up with something different, the idea is what's going to sell. Yeah. Because they're looking for something that's never been done before. Mm. And I think in this regards, that idea was there, mm-hmm. but just the execution really wasn't. I can totally see a studio, a director, even actors being sold on just the pitch. People kidnap a girl, find out she's possessed. Yeah. Brilliant. I want to see, like I said, I want to see it again, just slightly better, because I think this left a lot on the table. What if they go on the night to pick her up and the house is on fire? Suddenly it's not it's not so much a kidnapping as it's a rescue. And uh-huh. Hazel's going to have instant stakes because it's the same house she was in that burned. Even if we don't get that story from her yet, imagine that character moment of they pull up to the house, it's on fire, and Hazel who is not supposed to be on the retrieval team, just sprints in the house. Instant, we know, oh, this isn't just, you know, a criminal. There's something personal. There's some There's connection something big here. And then, because that could also be like, Catherine had just had her carry moment in the house. You know, like, if that's when she just killed the parents and the priest. Yeah. If they don't even get to see anything, that would be something. That would be a different, that would be a totally be cool. different movie. There was so much you could have done that really make this movie pop. And it's, it's still a decent movie. If you can somehow track it down guys i would suggest giving it a look absolutely but just know that you're going to walk out with a couple things like just kind of rattling around your brain at the it's just be like ah. it just disappoints you you know and i don't think it's one of those movies where because there's a clear-cut conclusion yeah. you know the demon's dead it's it's not a movie where they want the audience to answer the questions and come up with it themselves yeah it's not a movie where the answers are left intentionally unanswered it's well, the movie's over. Yeah, and you're just like, well, they missed this, this, and that. Well, first question for you, and this is what I meant to ask. If we had to rank it, it's either character development or lack of detail. Is what's the biggest problem? Yeah. I'd say detail just because it does also go into the characters. Yeah. If you had high attention to detail in this film, the characters would be more fleshed out by default. Yeah, exactly. And and the detail could be applied to the character yeah. itself. I mean, I think it would have been more enjoyable even if they still had the same attention to detail, but you had better characters. You'd be like, well, that didn't make a lot of sense, but, but man, I really loved watching Hazel, you know, go through her journey or something. Yeah. Now, I think I know your answer to this, but what do you think what do you think is the best thing the movie did? The best thing the movie did is Hazel's character, ironically. Hazel's character, you think? Even though it's rushed, it's strange, it's just rushed. It's just in four lines of dialogue, here's your character, bada bing, bada boom. 
I think, but I like her. I think I'm ironically going to say the first third of the plot. I think that's a di- I think that's an interesting yeah. concept. I think it's cool. Yeah, um, it just kind of falls apart. Just not executed yeah. well. After I'm trying to I'll try to pinpoint for you. After they film the hostage video. And they call and there's no answer. That's where it That's starts, when to, it get starts to taper off, and you're like, "Oh, what?" Don't get me wrong. I've seen movies that have been hyped up and miss a lot more detail. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I will never fault filmmakers for trying. No, they definitely tried to do something special in this movie. I just think it hit, it missed the mark. And I think these kind of movies. I mean, I've watched kind of lower budgeted films with you. When you ever, whenever you're like, "Oh, I want to get together and watch a B movie," I always yeah. think it's the B movie. But yeah. you know, well. <laughs> We'll get to that one day. I like jazz. B! But <laughs> I always think that kind of filling in the holes kind of seems to be a struggle for all these kind of movies because whether it's rushing in production or really just not having the experience filling in those holes, and those can tie it together. Yeah. But I think that's really what this movie struggles on. I think someone with the directing and producing experience and the writing experience probably could have... Could together. have shepherded this movie a Yeah, a little bit, but we were kind of a little critical of it. Yeah. It wasn't that bad of a movie. No. It wasn't. It's, it's one of those things, like, when I try and watch a movie seriously, which I'm all for watching, you know, Sharktopus in the, Sharn- <laughs> in the Sharknado. I'm there, first day, first row. I'll, right I'll be applauding at the end credits. The thing is, though, when I watch a movie critically, these things just bug me. And oh, they absolutely. get stuck in my head. And that's why this podcast exists. So I can talk about these things that are done. Absolutely. Really. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like, since I'm viewing it critically, I have to analyze it critically. Yeah. And the thing is, too, it's funny you bring up that movie. Yeah. Because plot-wise and, and idea-wise, this is way, I, I think, way more advanced than Sharknado. Oh, yeah. I mean, way more. But yeah. Sharknado's grossed into, you know, a, yeah. a, a productive and yeah. very good film. Because it has the backing. You know? And I think that's what this film really yeah, it's a movie that's not trying to just be a movie of the week or a joke or anything it's trying to be a serious horror movie I respect the effort I, I enjoyed a lot of it it's missing a few things that could have really made it like hey you gotta see this movie yeah. which in indie horror films happen frequently yeah. and this was a couple decisions away from being in that category of dude you gotta see this yeah and I think you know I know the preacher was bad the acting wasn't terrible not terrible it wasn't bad Hazel was good Catherine was even Catherine okay. was good even my boy Adi aka Eric Bischoff Eric Bischoff he I mean he was alright the acting is hidden appropriately because I think if you were to make a if you were to break down or get a list of how many lines each character spoke the acting gets worse the lower down that list you go the parents have zero lines they're not particularly gifted but then again they only have to portray one emotion which is you know fear is fear and oh no don't burn my daughter then the preachers are right above them with very shaky acting then you have James and Mark who are eh James has his moments of very bad acting, but Mark is just consistently eh and average. Then you have Adi, Catherine, Hazel, all good. In so many horror movies, the main character and the sub-main character make it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I thought maybe like if you had a little bit of development in this movie, then James being the last one or yeah. Mark, it would have been, you know, a yeah. little bit more believable. But 
Like the fact that Hazel's the only survivor, you're like, okay, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, you're okay with it because she was the one that was properly yeah, he's developed. The, yeah, he's, she's the one who's developed. She's the one you care about. So, do you have a a final grade? Um, professor, Pro- professor, the, the professor. <laughs> I would give this movie a C plus. C plus. C plus. Okay. That's yeah. passing. That's passing. That's passing. I mean, I would, I'm not going to fail it. It's 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 trying to be something. I would because you're more critical than me. Yep. I would give it a B minus. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's I think that's respectable. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm like the the pushover nice teacher <laughs> that you know if you smile at me I guess I I up your grade. All in all, I respect the effort yeah. the movie gave and based on what it was given and what it had, it was an okay movie. It's an okay movie. It's better than Pyramid. Pyramid's great. <laughs> but I mean, the pyramid's terrible. Oh, my God. That's totally I would love to sit down and just talk about But that means I'd have to watch the movie Yeah, again. dude. My God. Oh, man. God. The, the pyramid. I'd Stay rather, tuned, folks. The I'd pyramid's rather watch, an episode. I'd rather watch the pyramid, the game show. It, from the $1,000 pyramid? Oh, yes. I love that show. I'd rather watch that. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the Professional Horror Podcast. I want to thank my good buddy, Jake Cage, for being the guest. Of course. Oh, thank yeah. you for having me. And I hope you guys check out From a House on Willow Street. It's pretty decent. I definitely don't want you just to take our word for it, what the movie is. Watch it, form your own opinion, and maybe interact with us about it. See, Tell us what you thought about this movie. You can follow me on Twitter at ProHorrorCast or send me an email at ProfessionalHorror at gmail.com. Be sure to give a rating to this podcast and subscribe. And we'll see you next week. Jake Cage will be the guest again, and we're doing something a little special next week. Tune in to find out what it is.